somewhat conservative by nature, and we're wary of change because we're afraid that if we change things, we might make it even worse than it is now. Politically, sometimes you get to a point, like in the last election, where people are feeling like, man, things are going so bad right now that that both parties were saying, we need change, we need change, and people are ready to buy into almost any change, no matter you know, no matter what it involves. And, you know, we're, we're beginning to find out that in this case, change means that's all that's going to be left in your pocket is some change after it's all over. But, but it's important for us to look at, and here in this next section of Ephesians 4, Paul talks about what people without Christ are like. And he explores kind of how come they are the way they are and then says, you're not supposed to be that way anymore. That's the way you used to be. That's the way you used to live. And as he describes that lifestyle and and explains the reasoning behind it, he says, when you come to Christ, there are certain things that are supposed to change. You were living your life in a way that was self-destructive and destructive of others and Changes need to happen so that it would kind of defeat the purpose if you come to Christ, but nothing changes in your life. And of course, if nothing changes in your life, what kind of an influence are you going to have on other people to bring them to Christ if if Jesus hasn't really made positive changes in your life? And so going through this next section, beginning with verse 17, Paul just challenges us about changing, about putting off our old man, who we used to be, and putting on a a new person. In verse 17, he begins and says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. He's really serious about this. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Let's stop there for a moment. Sounds like a pretty bleak picture of non-Christians. And if somebody has come here today and you don't know Christ, and we dumped a verse like this on you, and you're like, So that's what you think of us? Futility of mind, darkened understanding, alienated from the life of God, ignorant, blind, past feeling, lewd, unclean, and greedy? Is that what you think of me? Uh, Yeah. But, (laughs) but, But it's important to understand what Paul is saying here and what he isn't saying. He's describing our life apart from Jesus Christ, and he's not doing it in such a way that he is slamming people who don't know Jesus. He's not intending just to insult them, and sometimes we'll take verses like this, and we can preach it and talk about it, and how those evil, lewd people out there, those foolish, ignorant people, those blind, wretched people, and we talk about this as if People choose to live that way. And yeah, there are choices that people make, but Paul's point here is anything but. Look how disgusting these people are. He's calling each of us to 
to understand why people without Christ are the way that they are and to remind us, hey, you were there too and you don't need to be that way anymore. There are changes that can take place in your life where you can be delivered. Now, let's examine some of these statements a little closer and see if Paul's just blaming people for being pagans or whether there's something more that he's trying to make as a point. He says they're walking in the futility of their mind in verse 17. That doesn't mean that they're not thinking. Futility of mind means you're running out of ideas. You've thought and you've tried to figure and you've done the best you can and it's just futile, it's not working, it's empty. You're out of ideas, you don't have another solution. It's not, no one tries to be futile in their mind. No one goes, let me try to be frustrated. It doesn't happen, it comes because you're trying to figure things out. And as you can't figure things out, sometimes you get to the point where like, Curly of the Three Stooges used to say, I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. You know, and you're just like, man, I'm, I'm trying here. It's not working. My, my mind is running out of solutions, of ideas. That's where the world is today. Everyone's thinking, but it's futile. They haven't come up with solutions. And you don't blame people for that. There are things that are missing that make that the inevitable conclusion of life apart from Jesus. Again, then he says in verse 18, their understanding has been darkened. There are some people who try to be dark and dismal, but most people don't try to have their understanding darkened. It, It happens sometimes over time. It happens from overwork. It happens from you know, checking out the options that you think you have, and now you're in the dark. You've, you, you've come to a point of frustration. You can't blame someone for what they don't understand. You can't look at someone and say, you deliberately are not trying to understand. If someone's understanding is darkened, it's darkened. If, it's another way of saying they look at the world and they just see darkness. They just see hopelessness. They just see depression. That's their view of the world. That was your view too until you came to Christ. And a lot of it is because of this. They're alienated from the life of God. They're a long ways from God. God seems like a foreign concept to them. And the reason that it feels that way and looks that way is because God hasn't touched them in the way that they can understand, in a way that they can see. He, he, it's, it's just still an alien concept to them. God seems like some UFO Martian out there. He, he doesn't seem like someone who's real and who, who really cares about people and who really knows you and understands you. That's a foreign concept to someone who hasn't met Jesus Christ. Because of the ignorance that's in them, it's not, a, it's not something that you blame people about when they're ignorant. The word ignorant just means they don't know any better. They just don't know. The heart of Jesus as he hung on the cross to the people who were crucifying him was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't get it. You just can't beat people up for being ignorant and it makes them smarter. 
You can't take what they don't know and cram it down their throat and then hold them accountable for it. They do not know. That's where they are. When you don't know Jesus, you just don't know. You just don't get it. And that's where you were before he touched your life, before he gave his Holy Spirit to you. And, and that's where they are now, too. It's, it's ignorance. And you know, people go, well, wait a minute. It sounds like you're making excuses for people who don't know Jesus. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. So it's true. The fact that they're ignorant doesn't save them. Because they're condemned if they don't know Jesus Christ. If they don't have a solution, they don't have a solution. But to point the finger at them and blame them and act like they chose that is not correct at all. And that wasn't what God did. He came and he revealed himself because of the ignorance that existed within the world. I don't mean it as an insult at all. Finally, because of the blindness of their heart. I mean, I guess you blame a blind person if they poke their own eyes out. But when someone's going blind, they just go blind. They can't see anymore, and you can't describe it for them. My mom went through over a period of time, she went blind. And finally, they told her, they took away her driver's license. They said, look, you're legally blind, you can't drive anymore. It actually was kind of a good thing for her because she was trying to drive and she couldn't see. She thought, as long as they give you a driver's license, I guess you can see. And she was crashing in her car into stuff and everything. And so finally, when, you know, it was one too many times and they said, look, Mrs. Rolfe, you're blind. Now, I didn't get down on her for that. Mom, why don't you see? No, if you're blind, your eyes aren't working. You can't see. That's the condition of a person who's in this world without Jesus Christ. What they know is all they know. What they can see is all that they can see. You can't make them see what they can't see, really. They need to be enlightened in a way that, you know, pointing the finger at them just isn't going to do it. Understand, everyone out there in the world who is doing things that are destructive and sinful and hurtful, it's because it makes sense to them. It looks like a good idea to them. And come on, before you shake your head at that, ask yourself about some of the things that you did before you met Jesus Christ. It, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but you're ignorant and blind. It just You didn't know. You were doing the best you could with what you knew, and you hadn't learned something more in order to be delivered from that trap and that lifestyle. And then finally, as he says in verse 19, who being past feeling. It doesn't mean they don't feel. The word there really is literally means they're calloused. Now, sometimes we'll say, oh, you're so calloused. You don't blame people for being calloused. Calluses develop because of continuous injury, because of continuous hurt. The more hurt you have, the more your body develops a callus to protect you. And there are places where calluses are good. Guitar players form calluses on their fingertips, just like pitchers do in baseball. And it's kind of good because sometimes in order to play a guitar or to throw a baseball hard, you need to have a little less feeling in some places. But what life does to us is it hurts us so much that we become calloused all over. 
We, we do whatever we have to do to stop hurting so much. And it's people get past the feeling. People get to the point where it's like, I'm numb. They didn't want to be that way. They don't, nobody wants to live that way. But injury after injury and pain after pain causes us, if we're going to survive this life, we develop calluses. It's not just non-Christians either. It's Christians too. In fact, that's Paul's point. Some of you are all living this way. You're not allowing God to do his healing work in your life. And so as a result, yeah, you, you've become hardened. In fact, an awful lot of the coping mechanisms of this world are in order to inflict a callousness, to get you past the feeling. Everyone who takes a drink to feel better is trying to get past their feelings, Feelings hurt so bad that it's like, I've got to numb that. And others do it with self-medication of various kinds or prescription medications at times, or we find diversions and activities. Uh, for some of us, our drug is television. We get to the point where, man, it's, it hurts enough that I just need to zone out here. And I just want to look at something that allows my mind to escape. I'm, I'm past feeling. I'm just zoning out and staring at the television or at a movie. Or for some of us, we just eat ourselves into a state of numbness. And it does feel good at first. It usually doesn't, you know, eventually. But I know we, a couple weeks ago with all the worship leaders, we went out to Buca de Beppo's, a an Italian food place that just piles food on. You just, it's, and man, I ate Italian food until I really was past feeling. <laughs> but the problem is, like all of our self-medication, the feelings come back, and sometimes worse, and in ways that you don't want. So we're all trying to deal with pain. We, we deal with it in different ways. Some people their drug of choice is vegetables. They think if they will eat enough vegetables that then they're going to feel better. If they exercise, run enough, lose enough weight, gain enough weight, whatever, we're, we, our goal is to get past feeling. But the problem is our feelings are good. Our feelings are designed with a purpose. And if we, if we just reject the whole idea of feelings and make ourselves numb, we're never going to experience life we're just going to endure life. We're just going to get by the best we can. And that's where everyone is who's without Jesus. And he goes on to say they've therefore given themselves over or they've settled for the life that they lead. And that life is a life of, first of all, lewdness. The word lewdness in the Greek, it, it's used to refer to a various assortment of sexual perversions and sins, um, but its root meaning is actually someone who is incontinent. That is, someone who loses the restrictive control of their bodily functions. It's, they're just at the point where they're, they can't stop whatever it is that they're doing, and so they just go, I might as well just do it. And it's getting worse, and it's going to take more to excite me, and I'm going to get into twisted, weird things, but, I, but 
I've made myself numb, and yet I know that I want to feel, and so I go, the only thing that's going to get a feeling for me is if I just let myself go completely and, and kinky and weird and try to find something that will still get that feeling that I once craved and that now just isn't happening anymore, and I, and I lose control of my ability to, to, to function in a normal way. Listen, when a baby, you know, can't control themselves, you put a diaper on them, you don't blame the kid, you don't act like they're doing something wrong, that's just the way their body works. As you get older, it starts happening again, and it's like, sorry, this is just the way it is. And Paul's saying, this is what people are settling for. They don't set out to go, let's be really weird and kinky and sick. They like, they settle for that when everything else lets them down. And he goes on to say they work all uncleanness. That word there is the word acatharsis. Catharsis is a word that means to clean or to heal in Greek. And we use it, we say that something's cathartic if it, if it has a healing effect to us. And in Greek, the A in the front of it means not. So he says they're settling for what is non-healing, for that which isn't going to make you better, it isn't going to make you feel better. Their, their behavior is an attempt at healing. They're trying to do grasp onto anything that might help me get better. And yet, they don't know what's going to fix what's wrong with them. They don't have within them the capacity to really heal. So they, so they settle for an assortment of kooks and witch doctors and and nutritionists and whatever, sorry if you're a nutritionist, but, you know, uh, uh, hey, you know, maybe, you know, uh, holistic medicine, or maybe if I burn the right color candles, or maybe if I do this, and, and see, the sad thing is, the world is full of people who are trying to heal others and heal themselves. Most people who go into um, the sciences like psychology and psychiatry really genuinely want to try to understand themselves and then hopefully they can understand others. And I'm thankful for people who choose to go that route. But, you know, without Jesus, without him being in the mix, the truth is all the tricks that you learn aren't going to heal anybody. I knew a guy who went for counseling and the counselor told him, you know, you never really let yourself be a kid. So what I'm prescribing for you is one week a month, I want you to wear a diaper and crawl around on the floor and get in touch with your inner child. I tried it. It didn't really help. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that people... I didn't really. But that's the kind of stuff that people really do. And, and you look at some of the people who have the sweetest hearts. Like Oprah Winfrey, every day she's coming up with more magic men and more healers and more help. And, and, I, and I know in her heart, that's what she really sees that people hurt and are sick and they want to be healed. But all she can do is keep coming up with more and more kooky things that don't work. I don't blame her. I don't pronounce judgment on her. It's like she's doing the best she can with what she knows because, frankly, she just doesn't know Jesus. And, and that's where people are at. So they work everything that doesn't heal. And, and then finally, greediness. That's a word that just means you want more and more and more. You think if something's not working, maybe I'm not taking enough of it. If, 
If going shopping doesn't ultimately fulfill me, maybe if I shop more, maybe if I buy more toys, maybe if I find more relationships, maybe if I take it a little bit further, maybe if I... And all of this is futile, but it's a natural thing because it's like if this is all you know and this is all you have and you go, you know, it's weird because when I take a bite of ice cream, I really do feel better. But then I feel worse, so maybe more ice cream will do it. Maybe more of whatever it is that I'm trying to use to fix me will do it. And that explains the world. That explains why people are the way that they are. And I think it's important for us to recognize what this is. Because for too long, we point our fingers at people who are living in sin We point our fingers at people that are doing things that God says will destroy you, and we very self-righteously act like, you guys are disgusting. You guys are so stupid. You're so phony. You're such sinners. Oh, you deserve hell. I can't wait till you burn, you losers. And, And we're like, hey, wait a minute. Wasn't that you? Wasn't that me? Isn't that what we still live like? Come on, so... Let's be honest, a lot of times all we do when we become Christians is we find Christian versions of all of those phony ways of healing yourself. We get Christian diet books and exercise books and we go to Christian seminars and and, and inoculate ourselves and environmentalize ourselves and in every way we're still looking at things with blinded eyes. We're still believing what the world is saying. We're still trying to numb ourselves over and harden ourselves with that which the world has chosen. And really, we don't have a right to point the finger at anybody else because a lot of times, as Paul says, you don't need to live this way. You don't need to walk this way, but a lot of you are. And when you do, not only does it not help, but you lose your ability to heal those who could look at you, you who have an enlightened perspective, you who have a new way of thinking, you who have the answer, and they don't see it in you. They look at you and they just go, you're just like me. You're just doing everything that I'm trying to do. You're just as greedy. You're just as more, more, more as I am. Paul says, but, verse 20, you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and you've been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You know what it does. You know where you were headed. Put off that. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It's a new way of thinking. It's a renewing of your mind. Paul, later in Romans 12, Paul talks about being transformed, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we don't learn to think differently than the world, then we too will be darkened in our understanding, futile, we'll become calloused, we will try all sorts of things to heal and and none of them will heal us. We won't get any better and 
We won't be close to God. We'll be alienated from him. We, we'll be walking like, yeah, we have the answers. We know it's in Jesus. But if we don't let him transform the way that we think, if we don't allow our minds to be deprogrammed and then programmed according to God's word, then we're not going to be any better off than everybody out there in the world who is living in futility and frustration and and hurt and and just an absolute inability to do anything constructive, just blindness and and deafness and 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 deadness and a lack of feeling and and if that wasn't a danger for us, a very real danger, then Paul wouldn't have had to tell us, hey, shift your way of thinking. Stop thinking the way that you've been thinking. If you keep thinking the way you're thinking, you're going to continue to live the way that you're living. And the result of the way that you're living is you're going to destroy yourself and everyone around you. Start to think differently. And how do we do that? The truth is in Jesus. So we're talking about his word making a difference in our thinking. How does that happen? I mean, if the truth is in Jesus, then certainly it would be wise for us to read the Bible every day, not legalistically, but out of a sincere need. If the truth is in Jesus, it would be good for us to memorize scripture verses and put the truth of Jesus in our head. Put it in there so it's with us all the time. Hey, you're not even trying until you have memorized more scriptures than you know TV theme songs. You know, we could all sit here and sing the theme songs to shows like Gilligan's Island and Beverly Hillbillies have been off the air for 30 years. But do we know the words of Jesus? Do we know this book? Do we deliberately program it into our, into our thinking? Because we recognize that it can deliver us and it's the only thing that can deliver us from what's killing us? Do we even make an effort at that? Do we meditate on the scriptures? Do we take a little part of scripture and really mull it over in our minds and let it soak into our spirits and talk to God about it and share it with others? And do we do that or do we think, I don't know, meditation sounds kind of hippie-ish and I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want to be new age, I don't want to be emergent, I don't want to be, hey, the truth is here, but man, you got a lot of lies in your head. You have a lot of years of destruction that you put into yourself. If you've been raised a Christian, you, you can't even remember not loving Jesus, oh, be thankful. Because people who came to the Lord later in life the baggage that they're carrying, you, you can't believe. You can't believe the amount of pain that's in here. And the way that someone lives when they're destroying themselves makes perfectly good sense to them because they aren't thinking right. They aren't thinking straight. Why in the world would someone drink themselves into oblivion knowing that it ruins their life? Why in the world would people continue after a couple of DUIs when they know that the next one's going to put them in jail for a long time? Why do they still do it? Because they're just so desperate to deaden the pain. And they don't have other options that they know of. Why, why do people live the kind of life that's heading downhill and running into a wall? They don't know any better. But we do. Because Jesus Christ has revealed himself to us. And he has given us an alternative way to live. 
But unless we will redo our thinking, unless we will allow Him to renew our minds, to give us a fresh start, and see, you cannot remove something from your mind. I like the way Paul says, put off the old man. Like, commit yourself to going, I'm not going to do that anymore. But you can't just do that. Because you can't forget what you've been taught. You can't forget the habits that you've formed. It's just not that simple. You can't not think about something. The only way that your mind can be renewed and healed is if you think about something else instead. When you have a bad thought bouncing around in your head, you can't go, don't think about it, don't think about it. You'll think about it that much more. Really, all you need to do is start thinking about something else. Sometimes I'll have a song going through my head that's like annoying. And it'll be, I don't know where it came from. I don't remember hearing it anywhere, but some disco song. And it's like, oh, and I, and I try to get it out of my head and it just doesn't go. And then I finally go, I'm going to put something else in there. And I deliberately start to sing in my head another song. And it's amazing it, it, how a good song can crowd out a bad song easily. And all of our thoughts are that way. It's, it's by focusing our attention on that which is good and thinking about that that our mind becomes programmed where now we get freed from that which was destroying us. And then what happens? God gives us a compassion for people who are trapped like we were. And God gives us empathy and, and an understanding of why they are the way that we, they are. We stop looking at sinners as being disgusting and ugly and gross, and boy, it'll be a good day when that person is in hell. And instead, we look at them and go, wow, what you're doing really makes sense to you, doesn't it? You're really that desperate to feel better that you'll resort to almost anything to do it. That's so, that's so sad. And boy, I remember some of the things that I did. You look at somebody and you go, oh, you can either just be totally disgusted by the demons of pornography or you can look and go, how sad is it that someone has been so hurt by real relationships that somehow they'd rather have a relationship with an image on a screen or in a magazine, rather than to try to one more time connect with real people and see if that can work. It's, it's so sad. And yet every one of us knows what that's like because in one area or another, one way or another, that was us. And frankly, in the body of Christ, to a great extent, this is still us. If we get a day when we're really honest, we still need to do what Paul is telling us to do change our minds, and decide to put off the old way of thinking. Now, you're not done with it yet, but you've decided, I'm going to stop destroying myself, and I really want the Word of God and, and the Spirit of Jesus and the kind of compassion that He had. I want that to permeate my life. And when that happens, it's not like, okay, great, now I'm done with sin. God continues to allow us to struggle with sin, and I'm convinced one reason why he doesn't just completely fix us is because we're here for a reason. 
Because there are people who are today as blind as we used to be, as darkened as we used to be, as alienated from God as we used to be. And, and the more progress we make, the more we have a tendency to get further and further away from them and think that, oh, I don't even know what they're thinking. And God will allow us to fall so that we'll go, oh, yeah, I do know what they're thinking. I, I get it because... Sometimes I think that in just different areas and in different ways, but he wants us to understand that people are the way they are because they haven't been given the information that they need. They haven't been given the way out. They haven't had the healing offered to them that Jesus Christ died for them to have. When God looked at a sinful God-rejecting world, he didn't look down and just go, those people are disgusting. I think I'll just destroy them and start over. He came himself. He became a man. He took upon himself everything that, that we have ever struggled with, and he struggled with it. And he then gave his life because he cares that much about turning the light on for people who are in the darkness about reaching out and healing those people who have become so callous that all of, the, all of the damage that's been done has just caused them to be dead to everyone, has caused them to get beyond feeling. And he didn't want to leave us that way. And he doesn't want us to leave this world that way. He wants us to discover our own healing and to discover the truth and the power of turning a light on and being delivered and, and changing your mind and programming your mind with things that are good and then to go out there to, to people who are still confused and to lovingly turn the light on for them, to lovingly give them hope, to let them know there's, there's a way out for you. It doesn't have to be like it is. It doesn't have to keep going the way it's been going. God has a better way for you. And I'm telling you, and, I, and I'm not saying it from arrogance. I, believe me, I know what it is to be you because on a bad day, I am you. Where I don't get it either, but man, God has helped me to begin to see the light. He has helped me to begin to discover the truth. And I'm telling you, it's something that you can understand too. It's something that he sent his son to die so that you would understand it, so that you could connect with it. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's our message. And the more the church looks like the world, the less our message will work and be effective. The more in each of our individual lives we continue to struggle as if we, we didn't know there's a God who loves us, we continue to settle for living in sin rather than to take steps toward dealing with that and receiving his healing. The more we do that, the less opportunity we have to take that life-saving message. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven. But I hope that's not all it's about for you because you're, you're not dead yet. You're still here. And there's still a bunch of people out there who need what you have, who need to know what you know. And they're dying. 
and they're, they're hopeless until somebody can turn a light on for them. And if you're walking in the dark, and if you're deadening your own nerves, and if you're living just like the world, and you're hoping Oprah is going to fix you, then you don't have a message that's really going to matter. You can't go tell people about a light that you're not walking in. You can't tell people that Jesus loves them if you don't love them. They can tell, they can see the disgust on your face. Why did they live the way they live? Oh, we can sit and argue all day long and condemn those evil people, those adulterers, those homosexuals, those, hey, nobody wants to live like that. It doesn't work. But they've settled for that because they really don't see an alternative. Christianity is the ultimate alternative lifestyle where you take a quantum leap from living in a way that you're trying to get more and more and more and it's just not working to where now you're recognizing it's God's grace. He accepts you the way you are. He loves you. He gets it. And if you walk in his word, lights begin to click on and, and you will be healed and you will be delivered from all that has been destroying you. And then that light is transferable. When people see that light in your eyes and you, you're just like them, you're not somebody who's condemning them, you're not some religious wacko or something, but they see, wow, you're, you're, you're like me, but there's something there, there's a sparkle, there's something that you have, and you don't look like you're disgusted by me, but man, I'm jealous of you. And you have the opportunity to say, yeah, let me flip a little switch here for you. Let me turn you on to some truth. Let me show you a different way to live. That's great news. That's the gospel. And Paul is appealing to us, and, and I appeal to all of us. Let's put away the old way of doing things. Let's start to think in a new way. Let's start to think in his way, with his truth, his word, turning on that light within us so that what we have for others is no, no longer disgust, but compassion and invitation and acceptance. Jesus died for that so that we could take that news to people. Let's don't ever live our lives in such a way that people in the dark just think, I'd rather be in the dark than to be where you are. We have a good message to carry. We need to do that. We can be healed. God can take all those calluses that we've developed over the years and he can gently love them out of us and give us again a, a sensitivity, a heart, care and love for others, acceptance of others. He, he wants to do that. He saves us, and that's great. But he saves us so that he can change us. And we ought to expect that, and we need to decide to do that, and we need to start thinking in a way that produces that lasting change. Let's pray. Lord, we mess this up a lot. I guess that's why you told us to live our lives continuously putting off the old way of doing things and putting on 
your grace, your forgiveness, your compassion, your healing, your holiness, your righteousness. Help us to help each other do this. Help us to remind each other in love when we're starting to live our lives like we don't get this. And Lord, help us to see every person who, who doesn't understand this as an opportunity, not as an offense, because I know that's the way you saw them and still see them. So help us to take the message of your love to others wherever we go. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.